Merry Christmas. How good our God is, how good our Savior is. My text this evening is Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. Philippians 2 and verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Over these past few weeks in this Christmas season, we have been doing a series called Portraits of Praise, looking at how different people responded to the news of the incarnation, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. We heard from Mary and her Magnificat. We heard of and from the shepherds and the angels. And this past Sunday, we heard, in fact, from our Lord's Father Himself, our God and Father, and the praise that He rendered to His Son in the incarnation. Now this evening... What is to be the response that we are to have? How do we respond to the birth of Christ? In this text, very simply this afternoon, I want to offer to you three thoughts that really are expressions of, or you might say, a kind of downward descent into humility and humiliation that our Lord endured for our sake. He took three steps downward in order to lift us upward. As we, as we look at this text, beginning in verse 6, we see that He was in the form of God as we heard on Sunday. He existed in the very nature of God, the very essence of God. And yet, even though He was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Here we see, first of all, a, a heart attitude of humility. He did not count, he didn't reckon, he didn't consider equality with God something he had to hold on to. He did not cling to it. He did not hold tightly to his full recognition as God's equal. It wasn't that he gave up any of his deity, he just gave up some of his glory. It wasn't as if he became any less God, he simply was willing to let go of the glory of God for our sakes. How radically unlike us, isn't it? For we are those who grasp for glory and grasp for approval and grasp for honor. But Jesus, in his humiliation, had a heart attitude that was willing to let go of glory. Then secondly, not just a heart attitude, but a humbling addition. A humbling addition. Look at verses 6 and 7. He, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. 
but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. In this familiar text, Jesus empties himself. He pours himself empty. Again, it doesn't mean he stopped being God, but in fact, he humbled himself by taking the form of a servant, by being born or becoming the likeness of men. He humbled himself by becoming man. By becoming, listen to this, by becoming something more than he was before. Somebody has said this is subtraction by addition. He, he added into his being humanity, and by adding humanity into his being, he actually subtracted from his glory. It's a remarkable demonstration of humility. It's something like, I'm guessing tomorrow morning there will be a few toys opened up, and brand new toys that are shiny and clean and... and Kids will look at them and say, oh, this is wonderful. And, and then something will happen over time. Dirt will be attached to the toys. And if they're outside toys, mud will be attached to the toys. There is an addition to the toy, dirt and mud, but the addition equals subtraction. Right? By adding dirt, you're subtracting from the value of the toy. Jesus, by adding our humanity to his deity, subtracted from his glory. He was, he was willing to look like he was less than he really was. I said on Sunday, this is like the sun, S-U-N, being willing to obscure all of its glory by becoming a 40-watt bulb. Or it's like a sequoia tree that is almost as wide as this room is. Being willing to become a potted plant on your dining room shelf. It is the glory of God being willing to be in human form. It's astonishing humility. But why did it happen? He had this hard attitude on I'm willing to give up glory. He was willing to submit to this humbling addition, becoming one of us, so that he might make a hard sacrifice. Look at verse 8. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Here is the hardest of all sacrifices. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, became one of us. He was born in Bethlehem. He was born of a virgin. He, was, he took on humanity so that He could die for us on the cross. He, he was willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice so that we might go free. He bore God's curse so that we might experience God's blessing. There's enough here in these simple few moments of reflection. There's enough here to fuel and fire our worship, isn't there? I, I posted on Facebook 
uh, just before I left the house today, the words, O come, let us adore him. And then under that I said something like, the purpose of life in six simple words. O come, let us adore him. That's why we're here. Why we're here on this planet. O come, let us adore him. Why adore him? Because he who is mighty has done a great thing by becoming lowly for us. He who existed in the form of God didn't hold on to it, but was willing to give up his glory to become one of us to die in a cursed death on the cross. O come, let us adore him. But let us not just adore Him. Let's imitate Him. Let's imitate Him. Here is my final word for you this afternoon. Philippians 2 and verse 5. Have this mind, this attitude among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. What's Paul saying to us? He's saying, be like Jesus. He who was willing, he had a heart attitude to give up glory. Paul is saying, be willing to give up glory. He who was willing to become a servant, Paul is saying, become a servant. He who was willing to make the hard and ultimate sacrifice for the sake of others, Paul is saying, be willing to make that sacrifice yourself. We are called to imitate Jesus. Many years ago, I was 18 years old, I picked up a book that had been, actually it was a book that I saw my mother reading. Uh, the book was called Knowing God by J.I. Packer. And I picked up that book and in that book I came to a chapter called God Incarnate. It's about God in the flesh. It's about Christmas and Dr. Packer closes out that chapter with words that have stuck with me to this very day and I'm 61 so that's do the math that's a lot of years here's what he wrote and I leave it with you as I close this afternoon Dr. Packer writes we see now what it meant for the Son of God to empty Himself and become poor. It meant a laying aside of glory, a voluntary restraint of power, an acceptance of hardship, isolation, ill-treatment, malice, and misunderstanding. Finally, a death that involves such agony, spiritual even more than physical, that his mind nearly broke under the prospect of it. It meant love to the uttermost, for unlovely men, women, and children who through his poverty might become rich. The Christmas message is that there is hope for a ruined humanity. Amen? There is hope for a ruined humanity. Hope of pardon. Hope of peace with God. Hope of glory. Because, why is there this hope? Because at the Father's will, Jesus Christ became poor. And was born in a stable so that 30 years later he might hang on a cross. 
It is the most wonderful message that the world has ever heard or will hear. We talk glibly of the Christmas spirit, rarely meaning more by this than sentimental jollity on a family basis. But what we have said makes it clear that the phrase Christmas spirit should in fact carry a tremendous weight of meaning. It ought to mean the reproducing in human lives, in our lives, the temper, the attitude, the spirit of Him who for our sakes became poor at the first Christmas. And the Christmas spirit itself ought to be the mark of every Christian all the year round. It is not the Christmas spirit that there are many whose ambition in life seems limited to building a nice middle-class Christian home and making nice middle-class Christian friends and bringing up their children in nice middle-class Christian ways and who leave the sub-middle-class sections of the community, Christians and non-Christian, to get on by themselves. The Christmas spirit does not shine out in the Christian snob. For the Christmas spirit is the spirit of those who, like their master, live their whole lives on the principle of making themselves poor, spending and being spent to enrich their fellow men, giving time, trouble, care, and concern to do good to others, and not just their own friends, in whatever way there seems need. There is not as many who show this spirit as there should be, but if God in mercy revives us, one of the things He will do will be to work more of this Spirit into our hearts and our lives. And again, I ask, I say, all God's people say, Amen. Amen.